Welcome to Stock Odds. This is another Stock Odds podcast. Odds and ends with Dave Singh and Rob Friedman. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Not too bad. Thank you for putting this together tonight here, and um, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, we're just again, we're just trying to get our bearings for the week here and see what do the odds say of what might influence trading for the week. And oh, I, I, hey, I got an idea. What's that? Let's let's just first kind of mm -hmm. recap on how we finished this crazy week. Uh -huh. um, so you you had some of the groups that you had uh, indicated, um, you know, in terms of how they did for the day and for the week. Do you want to recap that for a sec? Yeah, I mean, on Friday, again, it was kind of a defensive day. Utilities and defensive stocks did the best, and things like technology and consumer cyclicals were suffering the most and that, and that theme kind of carried over for the whole entire week again it was uh utilities and real estate were, were stronger than uh, cyclical technology things like that and and even for the month it was still a relatively defensive uh posture there and um again consumer cyclical was the weakest so that's our backdrop drop coming into the current week and we're in this kind of strange period between we're not really at the turn of the month effect anymore. We're the last month of the year, and mid-month seasonality doesn't really start until about the 13th. Yeah, so right. We're kind of 13th. this no man's yeah. land. But but if we if we have a, a perspective of what might be expected in the middle of the month, maybe we can kind of front run that with the kind of sectors and exposure we can we can get to. And it seems like big tech, um, big cap tech. Um, it's more of a defensive posture going into big, big items. And even I, IWM should outperform um, come mid-month. So with that perspective, what do you see in terms of factors, sectors, odds of um, from, from your approach? Yeah. Um, you know, so looking at, look at some of the names that, uh, you know, had done really good. For example, you know, in the beverage area, Pepsi was up. 2.55 on Friday, you know, in the stores uh, discount, Walmart was up one and a half percent. And that, you know, that was in a pretty poor performing day. Um, you know, you got Kimberly Clark up 1.96%. Johnson and Johnson was up 1.46 in the healthcare area, Pfizer up 2.32. Um, you know, and then in even in the telecom area had Verizon up 1.36%. Comcast up a little bit, Charter Communications 1.33. Um, so, and then you mentioned utilities, you know, uh, Southern was up 1.32, Dominion up 1.67. Um, so do you think, you think we can count on that to sort of carry over into next week with still this uncertainty? Because now we have, I think, is it 14 states that have uh, detected Omicron altogether? Yeah, that's a good portion of the country starting right? to get. Yeah. So, I mean, do we, you know, do we, because we're in no man's land, let's just carry that theme and say, okay, no man's land. We're in between seasonal events. We're in a month where there normally would be good breadth. Uh, we're in a month that normally performs pretty okay not like it's not it's super it's just it's okay but it's still a good month generally and and the overall breadth in the market should be favorable um but couple couple you know that with no man's land 
do we stay with these defensive names? Can we, you know, can we continue in the consumer defensive area, healthcare, you know, utilities, um, maybe some stay-at-home stuff like in the telecom area, maybe a few of the semiconductors. I mean, we had an NXPI up 1.97. Uh, Avco was up 1.03. Not all the semis were doing fine. Remember that AMD's in a merger that was down 4%. So obviously they were leaning on that one. Micron was down 1.52%. So it's not not you have to be selective in some of these groups. I mean, when you take telecom, that was pretty much green. Healthcare, you know, a good portion of the major drug makers were green. Um, and the healthcare providers, consumer defensive, pretty much green across the board, beverages, tobacco, confection, packaged goods, green, you know, utilities, green, um, and, and then other, well, even railroads was green, delivery companies were green, but otherwise you have to be more selective, right? <laughs> so I just want to know if you think we can kind of carry those themes and say, press a little bit more with the Dow 30, uh, press with the uh, defensive names and, um, you know, keep looking for companies where their valuations are ridiculous, you know, where they're very speculative technology companies, where we're thinking about, you know, no, no free money going forward, which reminds me, Let's pull up the, I had a, kind of created a list here of um, some of these catalysts that I think, like, I think, I think this is a multi, if you were to, if you were to hear some talking heads, sometimes they only bring out one idea uh -huh. and they just say, this is the reason that we are, had a down week while we had a down uh, day on Friday. This is the reason. I think it's multi-factor. Uh -huh. So let me list some of these and see if they resonate and if you have anything to add to it. So Omicron, obviously, you know, when it was like, you know, fear was dissipating, release the variants, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, we were, we were almost getting back, back to business as usual. Oh, no, that's, that's not going to work. Release the variants. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, not, not that funny, but it, it is some, somewhat uh, coincidental, I think. Um, so we got Omicron to deal with, and um, and then we have the the valuations. Now, Charlie Munger brought that out and said he hadn't seen this kind of you know oddball valuations you know since the the late '90s kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, there's that aspect, and there are people that do respect that. Uh, you know, you, you're going to have you're going to have some young people go, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, valuations don't matter. And I had I have a funny thing. I had that in my Skype the other day talking to somebody. And it was like, oh, you know, company valuations don't matter. Earnings don't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, if they never make any money, it doesn't matter. These things can go to the moon. It doesn't it never matters until it does matter. Mm -hmm. You know, it never matters that you know, cryptocurrencies, some of these alt currencies could, you know, evaporate to nothing. It doesn't matter until it ha starts happening. It doesn't matter, you know, that there could could be a rug pull until there starts to be rug pulls, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter that, you know, 
hackers exist until they actually start hacking something uh, of value and then okay now we all now we all got to have three factor authentication on everything that we do mm-hmm. um so we've got valuations and we got to this china situation and the us listings you know with dd and and the and the, the the concern is that there are others others could be next in the in the in the sites and you know I know that we can get these significant bounces in Chinese stocks across the board, and they've been down for a long time. But I would say that the, you know, the the tension still is there, and the Evergrande situation, which is another catalyst, is not resolving itself. In fact, there was some real concerns Friday about that, and and also coming in over the weekend, looking into next week, on the Evergrande situation. So I, I just if I was generating baskets, uh, I wouldn't select Chinese stocks, even that you know that some days they can bounce marvelously, right? It's mm-hmm. just not worth the aggravation um, to be long or short. So you can probably just, you know, stay away from them altogether. Um, so China and US listings, and then we have risk off in cryptos. Some have actually seen and witnessed that the crypto uh, market moves both up have uh, had some market leadership, meaning that the uh, other indices follow the cryptos and then the cryptos actually start selling off before the regular market sells off. I don't know if that's entirely true, but um, we did see, like you mentioned, that flash crash on the uh, Bitcoin on on Saturday morning. And, um, you know, it's, it's really rolled off its highs substantially. Um, and so what what's kind of concerning overall is there's too much correlation between all the riskier assets so that I don't think people can really argue mm-hmm. that cryptos are defensive or an alternative when I see so much correlation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't no, think I, it's one of the asset classes that you can say, well, I'm going to diversify <laughs> You know, and and uh, I'm in I'm in technology stocks that are speculative, yes. But then I'm going to buy some Bitcoin and some Ethereum as well because that's defensive or or that's going to hedge me against my technology stuff. I see way too much correlation. And since it trades 24 hours a day, it's almost like a leading indicator of risk. Uh, so, you know, you're right. That's probably where the leadership comes from is the fact that when you, you know, you had the sell off in crypto overnight and then you start to see it spill over into the the day session in the regular markets. So yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. But it recovered. Um, it, went, it went down to like 43,000 and then pulled back close to 50. And then now the futures on the indices are all up, too, with IWM. The, being the greatest, yeah, it's right? up the Russell. most, right? IWM's up the most, which is similar to Europe's are up right now, and Europe's up about the same amount that uh, that the Russell's up, right? And the Nasdaq's up, up, but up the least. It's up zero point one five, but Russell is up one point one three, a whole percentage. Yeah, but we we had that the other day, and then they they leaned into it was up two percent, and then they leaned into it real hard and sold it down. Yeah. So I don't I don't trust that and even in fact with nasdaq was up on one of those days and and then they hammered it right out of the gate too so 
Well, the I would other be thing really I just checked careful. out before this like, call was um, I checked out where we are relative to the 52-week highs. So the spider right. is four and a quarter percent below its 52-week high, where the IWM is 12.17 percent below its 52-week high. So even just as a mean reversion trade for the month, being longer IWM and shorter spider against it, um, the QQQs are minus six percent below their 52-week high. But so IWM is significantly below its um, recent high. Right, and right. Um, that's a lot to catch up. So that plus mid month is expected to outperform the spider. We got that that at our at our back, and if we do have a risk on kind of Santa rally, it should also perform. And your perspective of November to April being stronger for small caps. So all those things line up where maybe being longer small caps in the next few weeks, uh, and even tomorrow, might be um, a little bit of an edge. Yeah, yes, definitely, definitely on theme here. Um, so there's tax consideration selling. Okay, now I'm not saying just tax loss. I'm saying tax considerations. Uh, so, for example, you know, people that have a concern about, you know, the implications of, you know, um, gains that haven't been locked in but still being taxed on them. Um, or the just fact that tax taxes are changing in general might be the best year to sell some. So I think, you know, that can speed up a little bit when markets start to roll and people go, oh, well, I'm up. I've been up a lot, you know, and I was thinking of selling and locking some profits this year. But, you know, now it's starting to pull back on me. I better hustle and get on it. And I had a conversation with somebody that had, you know, uh, sizable he had about a million dollar account that uh, had had been you know up to that point growing for this last year and was pretty pretty pleased and he decided he wanted to sell about 60% of it and go to go to cash on that or reposition it mm-hmm. and he was quite upset that the market had already rolled over so much so you know that anxiety and that that concern and uh, a lot of people don't time things right you know they don't they don't sell when it's still rising because they think, oh well, it's still going good. It's still, and then when it starts to roll, they're not sure, so they wait, and then they wait, and then they wait, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and then you know finally they can't take it anymore, and then you know you get the capitulatory events. But um, I think there's a lot of profit that people have wanted to lock in because things are changing. So as we look at the taper. As we look at maybe the end of the free lunch or diminishing, you know, sustainability of the free lunch, the free lunch being all this money, cheap money, you know, available capital, um, you know, it's going to be ending sometime in the next year or two, probably before the midterm elections. So I think we're entering a period where the market can still go higher, but the risk is increasing, mm-hmm. you know, the risk of a real correction. And, you know, we've seen a little bit of it uh, so far that might get worse. Maybe we'll bounce and have a good run before we really get a correction. I don't know. Um, but then, you know, we had some doubt created on Friday by the employment figures versus the non-farm payrolls. People were very confused about the employment report. Um, and I don't think it I don't think Biden did anything to, uh, you know, calm them down or encourage them. I think people were are still suspicious about this whole thing. Um, 
what's actually going on behind the scenes here. Um, then there's just general deleveraging. You know, there's a lot of highly, highly leveraged uh, firms out there and, and in traders and so on. It's been great pressing and pressing while the markets have been good, uh, but we are seeing some deleveraging. And now you've got also this Russia and China arms race with the hypersonic missiles and, and all this stuff going on. And it's like, you know, Russia with the Ukraine and then we got China with Taiwan. I mean, we've got a lot of new or relatively, you know, rel relatively newer themes here suddenly kicking in all at the same time. Um, <laughs> so I listed quite a few factors here. Do you have anything to add to those? No, but then I'm, I'm looking at the contrast between all the risks you just laid out, and then you look at right. the talking heads. Like they keep increasing their year-end targets, and then into first quarter of next year, five thousand on the S and P, and this and that. And there's a mismatch, right? And that mismatch is what uh, sometimes starts the whole domino effect, right? And well, the, so the mis the mismatch can create this situation where the markets have some lift, and then you start to see them. You know, they're just going up and then all of a sudden you see a big seller sell into it. You got to watch how the, the spy and the diamonds, you know, and or the futures, if you do have the ability to watch futures, how how they get hit uh -huh. when they're rising. And that starts to, you know, roll over and then then we get our big down moves after that. It's like the smart money is selling into that strength. And I've seen that many times over, uh -huh. right? Selling into that strength. So that tells me that, you know, there's a bigger picture going on here. And yeah, you can have talking heads lift things, but that doesn't mean it's sustainable. Uh -huh. So when you consider these other factors, right? There's yeah. a multi-factor. It's not just one thing. You can't blame it on just, Omicron or, you know, uh, what taper, taper tantrum or, you know, Evergrande or whatever. It, it's a multi-factor thing. And I think it all contributes to uh, some vo extra volatility. Our, our look at our, you know, CBOE volatility index. It's, um, you know, it's, it's right back up there. And as far as the year goes, you know, we're still kind of when we should really have low volatility and good market breadth at this uh -huh. time of year, especially we just went through the turn of the month effect, Yeah. right? And that's supposed to be phenomenal. And even into the first Friday of the month of December is supposed to be reasonably per performing. And here we go, uh -huh. a really bad week, you know, and it's been rocky. It's been rocky since September. I mean, we had, we had some issues in September, you know, we had some peaks then again in October and then some rockiness. And then we had November start with a bang. And then all of a sudden, you know, mid-November comes along and we start to get this rockiness again. <laughs> and here we are in December. And so so it's not it's not as pretty of a picture as it was at other times this year. Uh -huh. So what do we do for this week? So here's my thoughts. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to lean to the defensive names a little bit more for my long side. 
I'm going to be suspicious of a real strong tech rally. Um, so I'm going to lean a little bit more to the shorter short names um, in things that are super speculative, you know, um, don't have, you know, the earnings potential of some of their peers, um, maybe have, you know, massive amount of, of debt, may have difficulty, you know, raising more money going forward, just just things that, you know, are not super attractive uh, fundamentally. Uh -huh. um, so does, does that, and I'm yet at, at the same time, I'm going to, for Monday morning, be still quite diversified. And the reason that I, that I say that is because we had a bad week. We're getting a fresh start to Monday. We're getting a bit of a bounce. We have a bounce in Europe. Right. China wasn't included in that bounce. Obviously, they're down, but Europe's getting a bounce across the board. It's spilling over into our futures and, you know, the, the Dow and the Russell, Russell's doing the best. Dow and the SPY are doing fine and Q's NASDAQ is uh, lagging a bit behind. But but we have a fresh start. And so it, there, it may gain some traction, like we may have a reasonable up day. And it could include the financials, which were down significantly on Friday. It could include some of the semiconductors, which were mixed. It could include, you know, even Microsoft kind of coming back. Um, you know, Google could come back. It wasn't down that much on Friday, only minus six point eight, minus point six eight percent. So that might come back a bit. Um, you know, even Tesla could bounce back. It was down 6.42%. Um, you know, Elon still got more to sell on the top line, but he is buying. Um, so he's exercising, you know, options at like six, six bucks something. <laughs> not not $1,000. He's, he's, his, his options, you know, are like six bucks or something. So he's actually, his his stake in terms of, Shares has actually grown. Mm -hmm. So if I, I get the fin, Fintel reports, um, Fintel IO, and it and it uh, you know shows all the different um, uh, corporate events that have happened. So he's been selling, but he's been buying, but obviously buying at a lower price because he's exercising options and buying, right? So mm -hmm. even even that that word will start leaking out more and and. You know, it's not like he's decreasing his ownership of Tesla. He's increasing his ownership of Tesla, but he's selling shares. But then he's exercising options and buying shares. Uh -huh. So the, when that word gets out more and more, I mean, uh, people say, well, he's not he's not reducing his equity ownership in Tesla. Uh -huh. Right. Which is always the concern. Uh -huh. He's just simply got tax implications and that's probably the driver right so it's, what, it's like a public the, misperception the, he's doing he's doing well, the options are thing. a long-term tax consideration so they're at a lower tax rate right he's going through a mechanical process of stuff he has to do nothing to yeah change yeah his but i mean everybody even <clears> some of the talking heads were like oh he's selling he's selling he's selling mm -hmm. you know? 
Uh, hey, listen, in, I never worry about insider selling. You know what what what's a what's a flag to me in a good way is insider buying. But I never I never am concerned about insider selling ever 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 because number one, they're never good at timing the market that way. Even though they work within the company, they're still not good at timing the market. And number two, selling is a natural function of being involved in the company and you know, working and building the company and hitting your mile markers and, you know, it's part of your compensation. So insider selling is not a signal to me. I don't know why people keep bringing that up all the time. It just drives me up the wall. No, I mean, they're saying, oh, Bezos is selling, Musk is selling. So this must be some kind of leading indicator that the market's going to crash. And maybe it's the opposite. I mean, Oh, bah humbug. Yeah. I mean, it has nothing to do with timing the market it has nothing to do with the company being overvalued or they don't they don't have an interest in it. It's just a natural function of being involved in a company. But now if you reach into your pocket and take out good hard cash that you've been earning in wages and you buy your own shares at market price, usually on a bigger tender above market price. Mm-hmm. Now, now that's that shows commitment. That shows that there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. So that means something to me, but not the selling. Yeah. Anyway, I don't care for all that nonsense that gets talked about in the media all the time. Anyway, so. <laughs> All right. Well, so that's the that's the game plan is is as we can be a little bit more diversified, a little bit of of more of a defensive posture. We can always wait with the the ETFs if we see that hey, the market is there's is there's you know really more and more confidence coming into it. We can always add a little bit of weight and pick up some some directional move. We can always you know add a little bit to some good winners out of the gate and and uh, that are holding up. So there's lots of potential for for directional uh, trading in in relationship to being hedged. Um, but then we'll get information more for Tuesday, you know, and yeah. um, from the Monday uh, out of the gate. So so then Tuesday, you know, we might be a lot more opinionated at that point than we are are now with this. So okay. yeah, if we're able to hold on to these gains that are, we we currently have, that's that's a different story than losing it all. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So um, anything else to add? No, no. So good luck, good trading. And, uh, okay. All right. Well, great talking with you. Good trading tomorrow. Thanks. Bye-bye.